Chapter Number Thirty Four of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Bray Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nushet Carey. Chapter Thirty Four. I have wanted my old sweetheart our doubts and our fears we are leaving before us the future uprears where angels a rainbow are weaving of smiles and of tears helen marion burnside during waveney's indisposition everett ward had been constantly at the red house and these visits had been full of consolation to both father and daughter althea's kindly welcome and womanly gentleness had from the first put him at his ease both she and doreen had cordially pressed him to repeat his visits and they gave waveney so much pleasure once when the sisters were out and waveney was making tea for him in the library she asked him suddenly why mr ingram never called at the red house i do not think it is quite kind and cousinly she said rather seriously everett seemed a little embarrassed by the question why you see he replied in rather a hesitating way ingram is so fully engaged he is up at our place regularly every morning and evening he does not seem able to exist away from it molly ought to consider herself a lucky little girl he continued thoughtfully for i never saw a man more deeply in love he is a fine fellow ingram the best-hearted fellow i know and i only hope and here he looked at waveney rather searchingly that our dear molly values him as he deserves i think molly is beginning to care for him returned waveney at least i fancy so but of course one can only guess at her feelings you see he has given her so much pleasure and she has learnt to depend on him so much for companionship and sympathy that it would be strange if she were to harden her heart against him at last but father her voice deepening with emotion do you think he is quite good enough for our sweet molly he is very kind and amusing our dear little monsieur blackie but everett interrupted her abruptly pshaw what a ridiculous name i think it is quite time that you and noel dropped it monsieur blackie indeed absurd i cannot imagine why you have all taken such a liberty with him everett spoke in such a ruffled tone that waveney stared at him in surprise but father dear he likes it he is as proud of the name as possible in his little notes to us he always signs himself monsieur blackie and then she added rather wickedly you know dear the name does not suit him so perfectly if he were tall and handsome and dignified we should have found him quite a different name but this explanation did not seem to please everard 
nonsense child he said quite sharply what do looks matter a good heart and a generous nature are worth far more some of the greatest men in the world were short of stature nelson and napoleon oh and many others but girls are so silly and sentimental they prefer some adonis six feet high with an empty purse and head waveney laughed merrily at this then a sudden thought came to her father she said rather gravely it is easy to see that mr ingram will have no difficulty with you and that you are his best friend has he and here she hesitated and flushed has he spoken to you yet i mean has he told you that he loves molly my little waveney that is not a fair question returned everard quickly but i suppose that there is no harm in telling you that i am most certainly in ingram's confidence now no more questions he has begged me to respect his secret yes rising from his seat and speaking with repressed excitement he has my best wishes for his success now i must go dear child for i have promised to dine with him and noel when everett had gone waveney sat down by the fire the conversation had given her plenty of food for thought her father was in ingram's confidence it was evident that he fully approved of him as a prospective son-in-law that ingram's generosity and kindness of heart had won him over completely i like him she said to herself and i think i could get fond of him as a brother but in molly's place and here waveney shook her head the vision of a grave strong face with keen thoughtful gray eyes seemed to rise before her a quiet cultured voice vibrated in her ears while molly was welcome to her black prince to her there was only one man in the world and his name was thurgood chater this little talk had taken place two or three days before her interview with thurgood that sunday afternoon after that she thought less about mr ingram she was reading her own version of the old old story which most women read once in their lives and though the opening chapter was headed waiting and patience it was none the less sweet and engrossing to the reader there was something heroic to her in thorogood's silence and self-renunciation he is great because he has learnt to conquer himself she thought most men are dominated by their own passions and prefer inclination to duty and then like a true woman she reverenced him the more it was the longest week that waveney had ever passed it seemed as though thursday would never come althea had promised to have luncheon with miss mainwaring that day so she proposed to drive waveney over to cleveland terrace about noon she had already made her preparations for the interview by sending molly the prettiest and daintiest blue dressing gown molly who was still very weak had shed tears over the gift but nurse helena had only laughed at her 
and made her try it on. Everett was in the studio, touching up a picture that one of his pupils had painted, when Waveney entered. She was rather pale and breathless. How shabby and bare the dear old room looked to her, after her long absence, and yet, in spite of its dinginess, how she loved it. "'Oh, father, how nice it is to be here again!' she said softly, as she stood near him and everett smiled and patted her cheek ingram left those flowers for you he said pointing to a charming bouquet on molly's little painting table he was so sorry that he could not wait and see you but he had to meet an old friend at his club but before waverley could make any reply to this or look at her flowers a pleasant-looking woman in nurse's garb entered she had a gentle face and kind eyes and waveney went up to her at once and took her hand you are my sister's nurse helena she said quickly thank you for all your care of molly may i see her soon certainly will you come with me now miss ward heard the carriage stop and she sent me down to bring you up at once i need not caution you she continued as they went upstairs to be very quiet as my patient is still weak she is on the new couch that mr ingram sent for her to use and i think you will say she looks very comfortable waveney was far too agitated to answer as nurse helena opened the door she heard molly's dear familiar voice say in weak accents wave darling is it really you and the next moment she was kneeling by the couch and she and molly were clasped in each other's arms and molly's thin white cheek was wetted by her sister's tears wave dear you must not cry so whispered molly in a troubled voice i am better and nurse helena says that i get stronger every day then waveney ashamed of her want of self-control and remembering the nurse's injunction brushed away her tears and tried to smile i have wanted my old sweetheart so badly she faltered and with difficulty she repressed a sob in spite of her pallor molly looked lovelier than ever almost too fragile and beautiful waveney thought with that faint flush of excitement on her wasted cheeks and the violet lines under her eyes not more than i have wanted you darling returned molly softly wave i want to see your dear face more clearly look nurse helena has put that seat close to me so i can hold your hand and we can talk comfortably she is going to leave us alone for a quarter of an hour and i have promised to be good and not tire myself then as nurse helena closed the door oh wave it is almost worth all the pain and weariness to have such happiness as this it is almost too good to be true returned waveney tenderly dear molly it has been such a dreadful time if i could only have borne the pain for you but to know you were suffering and that strangers were nursing you and i could do nothing 
nothing and faint shudder crossed her as she remembered those days of anguish and suspense hush darling replied molly but there were tears in her eyes we will not talk about that sad time now do you think i did not know what my waveney was feeling that night i was so bad and i thought that perhaps i should die i prayed that i might see you once more and that we might bid each other good-bye there don't fret for waveney was kneeling beside her again with her face hidden in the pillow i only want to tell you how good nurse helena was to me and how she comforted me i was very miserable the next day though i believe i was really better and when nurse helena asked me what was troubling me i told her it was because i was so wicked that i felt i could not be happy in heaven if my waveney were breaking her heart about me here and that with such feelings i was not fit to die and she said in such a comforting way but you are not going to heaven yet my child so you need not trouble your head about leaving your sister as for feeling wicked well we are none of us angels but it is my belief that our heavenly father will not be angry with us for loving those he has given us to love oh she is such a sweet woman wave if you only knew her you would like her as much as i do nurse miriam was very kind too but she is not as nice as nurse helena i love her already for being so good to my darling returned waveney and then she tried to smile molly dear there is some one else to whom we owe gratitude then a swift undefinable change passed over molly's face i know whom you mean she returned in a low voice and father has told me how good he has been it was mr ingram who sent sir hindley down and he made him come three times nurse helena says his fees are tremendous and that he is the greatest throat doctor in the world and then he is paying for the nurses i found that out the other day and every day something comes game and wine and fruit and flowers and yesterday this lovely couch oh wave somehow it oppresses me to think of it all for how is one to repay such kindness we will think about that dear when you are stronger oh we shall have so much to talk about and to plan so you must make haste and get well for i cannot do without my sweetheart any longer then molly smiled well satisfied oh dear how nice it will be she said in rather a tired voice do you know wave miss althina sent me a message by father the other day she has promised to spare you to me whenever i want you and when i go to the sea you are to come too this was news to waveney i have heard nothing about it are you quite sure she asked doubtfully quite sure returned molly decidedly 
but it was only settled last night he mr ingram i mean and here molly spoke rather hurriedly and nervously was talking to father he said change of air was necessary after such an illness and that the doctor wished it and that i should never get strong without it and then father gave in and it was decided that i should go as soon as possible and that you and nurse helena were to come too oh there she comes as the nurse opened the door but i am sure our quarter of an hour is not up yet it is just twenty minutes observed nurse helena composedly just five minutes too long i can see by your face miss ward will you bid your sister good-bye please i should like her to be quiet for a little before her dinner yes you must go wave observed molly with ready submission but you are to have dinner with father before you go back and i am to see you again on sunday and then the sisters kissed each other silently but as waveney turned on the threshold for a last look molly waved her hand oh it has been so nice she said feebly and i am so happy but almost before waveney was downstairs molly was asleep well observed everard with a questioning smile have you talked molly into a fever i am afraid we did talk rather too much returned waveney penitently for molly looked very tired when i left but father how weak and thin she is i could not help fretting when i saw her but she looks sweeter than ever dear thing and miss althea's blue dressing-gown is lovely she was quite a picture with that indian silk rug over her feet and all those beautiful flowers beside her ingram again returned everard with a groan do you know he is actually going to eastbourne next week to take lodgings for her and nurse helena and nothing i can say will stop him molly says i am to go too observed waveney anxiously yes dear miss hartford proposed that and i think she is right in saying that you need a change too you are looking thin and pale my child oh i am very well she replied hastily and then anne the heavy-footed came up to tell them that dinner was ready after that as waveney was too restless to stay in the house they went out for a walk and strolled in old ranla gardens and then down the lime walk and along the embankment to chen walk and then as it was growing dusk they walked on quickly to sloane square and everard put her in the train good-bye until sunday father dear were her last words as the train moved off but that night before waveney fell asleep happily in her pansy room nurse helena's homely words reoccurred to her well we are none of us angels but it is my belief that our heavenly father will not be angry with us for loving those he has given us to love thank god for that she murmured and that it is no sin that i love my molly so intensely and in the dying firelight waveney folded 
her little hands together and with a grateful heart said her tedium end of chapter 34 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc